with me this morning once again to the book of Proverbs, chapter 26 this morning. Proverbs chapter 26, and children, I trust that you got a worksheet with this kind of scary-looking fellow on it. Um, You might need to ask your parents when you get home what this is all about. Um, In fact, it's not entirely inappropriate because being a fool is scary. And so I want you to use this both front and back this morning to help you as we work through these Proverbs. We're actually going to look at two verses this morning. Past couple weeks, we've just looked at one verse, but this morning, we're going to look at two verses. They're right next to each other. And the reason that we're doing two Proverbs today is that they're meant to go together. That becomes clear the moment that you hear them, but the moment you hear them also presents a bit of a problem. Let's look, Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. This is God's word, and I say that with a special purposefulness this morning. Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. You look in your word or listen along as I read. Answer not a fool... According to his folly, lest you be like him yourself, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. You see the problem, right? Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So let's pray and ask God for help. Father, thank you. Once again, we we ask for your word to be made clear to us. Just like every Sunday at this time, we, we need something from you. Yes, we need your word. That's why we're looking to this book. But we also need the gift of illumination and understanding. Help us this morning, Father, to get this. And not just with the ability to say, okay, I get it intellectually, but so that we might live wisely and live righteously for your glory and for the glory of Jesus Christ. And so, God, I pray, um, would you set me free from any concern about what people might think God, I pray, set each one of us free from any concern or limitation that might keep us from hearing this as your word to us, even though it's just this practical, everyday proverb. God, I pray we would feel the weight of your word and the face of Christ, as it were, speaking to us. So God, we're asking for your help this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me begin once again this morning with a story, a parable for young and old. I'm going to, in fact, I've come to call these the the Emmaus parables. My son chided me last week uh, that I was being pretty hard on Abraham Benoni. I'm going to try to be more careful going forward. So, once upon a time... A long time ago, there was a man named Joseph bar Ephraim. We met his brother Jacob last week. A generation earlier, their father had held a place of great respect in the village of Emmaus 
especially among the tradespeople and the merchants. And he had set up his two sons in trades of their own. The younger son, Jacob, as a carpenter and wheelwright and just about everything else. And the older son, Joseph, as a blacksmith, a worker of metal. And these two had their shops right next to each other, which often served both of them and their customers. And over the years, the brothers had established good businesses and good reputations for honest dealing and for very helpfully serving the people of Emmaus and its environs. Now, not only was Joseph an excellent blacksmith, he was an excellent husband and father as well. Husband to Hannah, who was herself an excellent wife and mother, and father to six active children, from little Anna, age two, up to his firstborn, Jonathan, who had just turned 13 and who was currently discovering that some of his friends were, shall we say, a little foolish. So one afternoon, as Joseph was at his forge, Jonathan came into the shop and sat down just watching his father work. Joseph knew his son well, and he could sense that there was something on his mind. And so after finishing the bend and then cooling the bar that he was working on, Joseph set down his tools looked at his son and said, what is it, Jonathan? Well, Dad, you know Matthew, right? Well, he said something to me today about the rabbi's children that seemed, well, it was disrespectful and it sounded like he was inviting me to join in. And I I just didn't know what to say. Joseph looked at his son for a moment and then said, Jonathan, what Matthew said is foolish talk. And when it comes to hearing foolish talk, I want to tell you just one thing. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And Jonathan thought that sounded pretty wise, and he trusted his dad. So out he went, thinking about his father's words. But the very next day, found young Jonathan sitting in his father's shop once again. And once again, after finishing the task he was working on, Joseph laid down his tools, looked at his son, and asked, what is it, son? And Jonathan said, you know how yesterday I told you that Matthew said something disrespectful? Well, this morning, We were walking out by the big tree in the field, and he said something about the fifth commandment, you know, about honoring your father and mother, and it sounded, I don't know what else to say, Dad, it sounded disrespectful, and and it seemed like I should say something to him, but I remembered what you said yesterday. And after listening carefully to his son, Joseph looked to Jonathan in the face and said, Jonathan, young men can say really foolish things, and when it comes to hearing foolish things, I want to tell you just one thing. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Jonathan was taken aback. But Father, just yesterday you said, but before he could finish, Joseph laid his roughened hand on his son's knee and said, I know, son. I know. God's word is always useful and it's always true, but it's not always simple. So, here we have what appears to be a direct contradiction in the Bible. 
I mean, you can't help after reading Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5, you can't help but ask, well, which is it? Should I say anything or should I not? Because I need to know, God. I mean, I face situations like this all the time. People say things that are foolish, disrespectful or gossipy or unkind or untrue. What, what should you do? I mean, do you engage and seek to address them and set them straight, or do you purposely not engage, just kind of step away? Well, clearly, there is something intentional going on here that God wants us to get. There's some wisdom here carried in the very putting together, back-to-back, of these two Proverbs. They're twin Proverbs. Remember back in chapter 1 what Solomon told us right off the bat about Proverbs, listen to this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So this is not some oversight here in chapter 26. It's not as though, you know, Solomon's proofreader might have come back to him with the manuscript of Proverbs in his hands saying, you know, with all due respect, sir, (laughs) um, there are two Proverbs here that seem to be, well, saying opposite things, sir. And Solomon saying, "Let, let me look at that. And, and finding himself saying, oh my goodness, you're right. How did I miss that? What a doofus I am. No, it's like this on purpose. It would be silly for any one of us to think that the writer of this book put these apparently contradictory verses right next to each other by accident. There is a point God is trying to help us get here. So we ask, what is it? Well, certainly part of the point is that godliness, hear me now, godliness, we could say righteousness, there's a little part of me, I shouldn't hesitate to use that word at all, but there's a little part of me that sometimes can hesitate to use these words that kind of sound archaic, they sound a little churchy, but it's the right word. Righteousness in our living is not some easy formula. It requires wisdom to know how to live and how to act and how to speak in different circumstances. And in the particular case of these two Proverbs, whether or not to and how to respond when you're interacting with someone who's being foolish in their speech. You know, actually, this might be helpful to know. There are two main solutions that have been kind of suggested for the apparent contradiction of these two verses. One solution suggests that there's a slightly different use of the phrase according to in each of these verses. In verse 4, answer not a fool according to his folly. The phrase according to there means something like in the same way or similarly. In other words, don't do the same thing they're doing. Don't participate in foolishness. Don't be like him or her. To do so just puts you in the same category of fool. But in verse 5, 
answer a fool according to his folly. That phrase according to means something more like in keeping with, appropriate to. In other words, answering him in a way that his folly calls for, clearly, firmly, directly, which is certainly a possibility. I mean, words can be used differently like that, sometimes very much on purpose. In fact, I believe there is some truth in that solution, but I believe there's more truth in a second solution, which suggests that there's two different types of fools being talked about, or at least two different levels of foolishness, two different situations. There is a fool, remember back from chapter 1, who despises wisdom, he despises instruction, and who remember from last week, Proverbs 18.2, who just delights in expressing his own opinion. There's that kind of fool. And then there's also the fool who is simply immature, who just needs to grow. The book of Proverbs uses the word fool to describe a wide range of foolish behavior and speech. And one way to make sense of these two Proverbs, sitting back to back, is to realize that sometimes the people you interact with can be a kind of fool or engaging in a kind of foolishness that you just need to step away from. And sometimes people you interact with can be engaging in a kind of foolishness that will actually benefit from an honest, careful, but direct word. All of that to say, should we answer a fool or not? Well, it depends. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, and a wise person, a godly person, a person growing in wisdom and understanding, a person who fears the Lord and wants to walk in his ways will increasingly be able to know the difference when to speak and when not to speak. So let me now try to summarize all of this this morning in three lessons that I believe we need to learn from Proverbs 26, 4, and 5. I believe that God means us to learn from these verses. I'm going to try to capture some of what I've already said in the first two lessons, and then I'm going to end with what I believe is the most important lesson for us here this morning. So first, lesson number one, and I'm just quoting Joseph Bar Ephraim here. Lesson number one, God's word is always true and always useful, but it's not always simple. God's word is always true, always useful, but it's not always simple. So don't stumble over things that are hard to understand. And this is true, especially for Proverbs. I mean, Proverbs can be tricky things. And if we're not careful, we can, we can make them mean things or do things that they were never intended to mean or do. Proverbs, here's what Proverbs are. Proverbs are brief, memorable sayings that speak a general truth. That's what a proverb is. It's a brief, memorable saying that speaks a general truth. I mean, they have a fullness of meaning despite the economy of words, and they often have a little bit of a kick or a bite to them. They are these generalized statements with a wide application, but they are not to be taken as absolute rules or absolute promises that never have exceptions. I mean, to take a proverb and demand that it be understood as some absolute truth with no exceptions, universally applicable 
to everyone in every situation is to fail to understand how a proverb works. So, for example, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And that's true. But not always. And in every situation. We read in Proverbs chapter 6, similarly, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a bandit. And that's true, but not all the time. Because, for example, we all know that there are situations with circumstances when the general truth of those Proverbs does not come about. Some children are born into such immensely wealthy families that they are able to live lazily and luxuriously their entire lives and still have wealth to their possession when they come to die, never having experienced anything remotely like poverty. So there are exceptions. And add to that the fact that some Proverbs seem to contradict each other. I mean, that just demonstrates that Proverbs are situational. I mean, think about this with me. Let's just think about a couple common Proverbs. Look before you leap, but he who hesitates is lost. You can't teach an old dog new tricks, but it's never too late to learn. Too many cooks spoil the broth, but many hands make light work. See, every good proverb describes a general truth, but it's not intended to cover every situation, and so it is with these proverbs, as is clear by their different counsel. So, lesson number one, God's word is always useful and always true, but it's not always simple. Which leads us directly to lesson number two. Righteousness, by which I mean righteous living, Righteousness requires wisdom which pays attention to different circumstances. Righteousness requires wisdom which pays attention to different circumstances. There are very few formulas in living the Christian life. What is needed to live the Christian life well is the exercise of virtue and wisdom in particular moments. We need wisdom. So again, which of these Proverbs do we follow? Well, it depends. Sometimes verse 4, if the person you're interacting with is just argumentative, all they want to do is quarrel, and you know you're just going to end up in a meaningless discussion, what the New Testament speaks of as foolish controversies. Well, in such a case, both participants would be behaving foolishly, so verse 4 says, don't get drawn in. There's a wonderful example of this. Turn over to the Gospel of Luke with me for just a moment. By the way, Jesus, Jesus just exemplifies the wisdom of just about every proverb we're going to come in contact with. And here he is exemplifying the wisdom of Proverbs 26, verse 4, Luke chapter 20. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the Gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up. Now, these are guys that you wouldn't expect to be talking foolishly, and yet they are, spiritually speaking, and Jesus knows that. He said to them, or they said to him, 
Tell us by what authority you do these things or who it is that gives you this authority. See, they're just spiritually blind. He answered them, I also will ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it with one another saying, Ooh, if we say from heaven, he'll say, why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death for they're convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. You see, Jesus is just unveiling their foolish hearts. What does he do? Verse 8, Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I, I do these things. Jesus saw the intentions of the Pharisees. He knew their hearts, and because of that, he stated he would not answer them, and the discussion ended. Listen, if a person is unwilling to listen, if there's just a basic posture of combativeness, if they're only interested in expressing their own opinions or continuing on in their foolishness, well, you make yourself foolish by engaging, so sometimes we should just politely disengage from someone who is saying foolish things, and they might have something, by the way, to say about that. You pulling out. Can I just tell you, it doesn't matter. God sees. God knows. And all that matters, or all that should matter to you, is his opinion. And he delights to see you acting wisely. But sometimes we need to do what verse 5 says. Sometimes we need to directly address what is said because you see there's, it's not belligerence, it's immaturity, it's maybe carelessness. And if that kind of foolishness is left unchecked, it would do damage to that person or to anyone else that they interacted with along those lines. Jesus knew how to do that as well. But even here, friends, listen, it needs wisdom. Should your words be private or public? Should your words be right now, or should you wait a bit? You see, the verses themselves are not difficult to understand. What is difficult is to figure out which one is best and right in the particular situation. So we need wisdom. Wisdom to know if this is going to become a pointless argument, wasting time and energy, or if this is a time to speak wisely and not be silent. So lesson number two. We need godly wisdom to know when and how to apply these verses, and that wisdom comes from God. In fact, a huge part of God's program, a huge part of God's agenda in giving us this very book is to supply the wisdom that we so desperately need. All right, lesson number three. And this is where these Proverbs relate most immediately to our Christian walk. I mean, yes, we can look at the Gospels and we can see how Jesus embodied this wisdom himself. And yes, we want to be like Jesus, but these two Proverbs connect to our larger Christ-likeness in a very significant way. So here's lesson number three. In every interaction that we have with another person, think about this, in every interaction you have with another person, you have two responsibilities. You have a responsibility to guard your own steps, and you have a responsibility to help others guard their steps. Did you notice this? Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. 
or if I could summarize, verse 4, don't you be foolish. Verse 5, help someone who's being foolish to stop being foolish. Now, obviously, we're on somewhat dangerous ground there when we're talking about helping someone else stop being foolish. We have to remember last week, Proverbs 18.2. We need to seek understanding before just expressing our own opinion, but there will be times when we need to speak to extend a lifeline, if you will, to someone else to pull them out of their foolishness, but verse 4 is still there as a warning. It makes me think about what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, rescue them, but, Paul goes on to say, keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. See, in every interaction with another person, we must pay attention to both our own spiritual walk, our own spiritual well-being, and to the spiritual well-being of the other. Friends, I don't want to just state the obvious here, but God is very interested in the godliness of his people. God is very interested in the godliness of of his people. So in every interaction, let's have our eyes both on our own walk and on one another's, not as judges, but as brothers and sisters who care about this thing in one another's lives that is so precious and so important to God. You know, we read way back in chapter one the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So our prayer every day should be, God, I want to be in right relationship with you. And out of that, I want to be wise today. God, I want to be like Jesus today. Not just in his embodiment of this particular ability, but in his character so that I might walk well today. And maybe, maybe there will be a chance to help someone else walk well today too. To his glory, amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for your word to us today. And God, even as we prayed at the beginning, I pray again now, don't let us just put this on the shelf of, okay, that makes sense. God, I pray that we would that we would, in fact, hear your voice here calling us into righteousness that is pleasing to you, calling us into a righteousness that is now possible because of our life in Christ who gives us everything we need for life and godliness. And so, God, I pray we'd actually care about this, not just to be upstanding citizens, but to be Christians and to be pleasing to you and to find our lives bearing fruit that is encouraging to the godliness of those around us. God, what a beautiful design you have made for our life together. And so, God, I pray, put in us humility, 
Put in us graciousness. Put in us wisdom. Put in us faith. Make us like Jesus so that we might live for the good of those around us and for our own good and for the glory of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.